Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Fergus in Chicago. I'm very excited for this, the uh, first of a two-part conversation about Guinness, the famous pint with that creamy head. Uh, the thinking, the people, the strategy, and all of the creative work is incredibly impressive to me. And I think it's yet another example of a sort of a master class in planning for sure. And uh, in this first episode, we talk about Guinness from the point where the, the long-term brand platform, uh, Good Things Come to Those Who Wait, was being replaced. It was originally presented by Abbott Mead Vickers in 1996 as part of their successful new business win. Uh, the uh, platform had been created to turn a perceived negative about Guinness, which was that it took too long to pour. This was a complaint that bartenders and drinkers uh, apparently had at that time. And it was, having a, it was believed to be having a, a limiting effect on growth. And they wanted to turn that negative into a positive. And that whole platform of good things come to those who wait worked incredibly well uh, for a long period of time. It was roughly 14 years later, around 2010, that Guinness felt it needed to explore kind of consolidating what were then a, a sort of multiple regional brand platforms around the world into a single global idea. Unfortunately, good things come to those who wait wasn't seen as the solution because partly uh, Guinness on tap isn't the way the beer is consumed in many high growth markets around the world. It's actually served in a can or in a bottle and therefore kind of doesn't require the weight before you can start drinking it. So this desire from, from Guinness for a single global idea led to Made of More. And Made of More became the new platform, and it's been in place now for uh, roughly eight years, and eight amazingly successful years. And just this month, uh, it won yet another Golden IPA Award for Effectiveness. So simply stated, the Made of More platform is that Guinness is a beer made of more for people made of more, expressed through stories of unexpected character in people and beer that enrich the world around us. In this episode, we're going to hear from Craig Maudsley, Co-Chief Strategy Officer of AMV uh, BBDO in London, and Alison Falconer. Global Planning Director for Guinness and Beer at Diageo. It was an amazing experience for me to have both the client-side planner and the uh, agency planner together to talk through this. And it's, uh, it's, for me, it's unusual to have planners on the client side uh, who are in many ways performing in the same way that agency planners do. It's more than research. It's really a, uh, a deeper dimension of truth that they bring to the table. So Allison and the team, I think, uh, did fantastic, fantastic work. And I think you'll, you'll clearly hear it as, we, as you hear this interview. We're going to talk about the category. We're going to talk about the learnings from the rolling out of the campaign and the creative evolution that happened over the first six years of Made of More. So that's roughly 2012 through uh, 2018. In our second episode, we'll be joined by Nick Hulley, who is Executive Creative Director on the business, to talk about the more recent two years of the campaign, which is 2018 through 2020, including the incredible Guinness Clear campaign, which I just think was brilliant. So it's a, it's a great journey, and it's an amazing example of the partnership between planning, client, and creative. And uh, before we get started, I'd just say that if you're listening on a podcast platform, you can actually see all of the spots that we talk about in the full campaigns uh, on our website at onstrategyshowcase.com. So this is Guinness Made of More, part one. Enjoy. This first episode, we're going we're gonna to kind of go back before we go forward. And um, so I wanted to start that with the idea that, or the observation that, you know, Guinness has had a complete broadening of its identity over the last number of decades. It's, it's no longer sort of trading solely on its Irish roots. And uh, although, although I don't think anybody 
doesn't think of it as not being an Irish brand, but the communications aren't necessarily rooted in that and haven't been in, I think, probably in decades. And I'm wondering, can you tell us why that needed to happen? What has happened with Guinness that required it to have uh, a less of a uh, place of, uh, uh, of uh, less, well, less rooted in Dublin, Ireland? I mean, I, I would say that probably your, your view of it and your perspective on it might be slightly colored by uh, coming from the US and North America. And if you look at Guinness's heritage and many of the sort of most famous iconic moments in communication, even but its heritage is it hasn't traded on Irishness very often. So it's a proudly African brand across Africa and has a very, very deep and long heritage there with breweries in uh, in country and a completely distinct product set there and a, and a brand that feels proudly and truly African. If you look back at a lot of the heritage of its marketing in, um, in GB, you know, not often, you know, played on Irish heritage. You know, if, you, if you look at the, the famous kind of Gilroy work from the past, the illustrated work, um, it, it's rarely ever referring back to being Irish. Uh, and I, I think the Irishness kind of comes in, as I say, quite a bit through North America. And also, to an extent, it's something that is, is almost used to market art. Ireland as a nation. If you're a tourist, you'll often find yourself walking through the uh, through the airport and finding a lot of Guinness merchandise. And the Guinness storehouse is one of the. I think it's still the number one paid tourist attraction in Ireland. Yeah. So if you go to Ireland, you will go to the Guinness storehouse. So it'll be a big part of your experience of Ireland. But as I say, if you look at the brand's marketing, it, it's not featured that often. I mean, Alison, you probably have a, a good deal more perspective on that than I do. But. Yeah, I would say um, we are totally Irish, right? That's just who we are. The brand's been there for 260-odd years. Um, we're made by Irish people. Um, the ideas and principles that have been driven, driven for the company are the principles of a very Irish outlook. We talk, we talk about it as it's basically our family values. It's who we are. It's not our only story. So I think being Irish makes Guinness bolder, a bit more unconventional. I think it makes us warmer and wittier and inviting. Um, and that's, that's manifest through things like our tone. It's not always about being Irish, not least because um, one of our very biggest markets is Ireland. And it's not much of a story if you live in Ireland <laughs> to be an Irish brand. I mean, you want a brand that, that, that is a national brand, but it only takes you so far. Um, and I think we have really other big parts to our foundations, which are equally and perhaps even sometimes more important. So a lot of what Guinness is, is, is founded in this really remarkable product. Um, it's the, the way that Guinness looks, the way that Guinness tastes. It's unique. It's beautiful. It's something that's not always um, transparent when you first come across it, why you would like it. And that pulls people in and actually that's I think part of why we've been such a magnetic advertiser is because we need to make people fall for Guinness um it's it's enigmatic and interesting um and and we need to make them fall for it as a product and as a brand um part of how we do that is being true to to this wonderful Irish character that we have but a, but a huge part of it is also in this remarkable product which we've been talking about as music and magic um so if we if we talk if, if we're in Africa, is it thought about in Africa as as an Irish brand or is it thought about differently? It's thought about as an international brand, which is important. It's actually very premium in Africa, um, so it has an international prestige. But there are parts of um, Africa where um, people would even barely know what Ireland is, you know, and how that was different from say Scotland or. Uh, Belgium <laughs> you know what's important is that it's an international brand that's come over with uh, the prestige of, of being an import of ha um, having a set of criteria that's different from what's what's local um, the best description I've heard recently of Guinness is that it's a, a global brand with a local heartbeat um, and actually in Africa it connects people know that it's a Nigerian brand they know that um, that it has that dual identity and that's part of what makes it interesting so it's a global brand that's been in Nigeria since the 60s and they feel they own it just as much as we do. So, so Made of More has a, as, a, as a tag and as a positioning 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm interested because I'm interested in hear, hearing you guys define it because, I mean, what do you think Made of More is? Is it a positioning? Is it a tagline? How do you think about it? Craig? You know, I, I would say primarily Made of More is is a kind of expression of of the brand's essence and the brand's purpose. I'm going to, I'm going to get some of the uh, precise terminology wrong here, but I would say it's definitely more than a slogan or an end line. It's a, it's a kind of philosophy that drives the brand forward. It's a way of talking about Guinness and Guinness drinkers and, you know, those who might ally with ally with the brand in culture, um, an expression of, you know, philosophy and substance and in some ways the a kind of way of living living your life now there is a there is a longer hand version of that in fact there's been more than one longer hand version of that as a as a more formally expressed brand purpose um internally used within diageo and within amv when we're thinking about work um but i think the, the great strength of it as an idea is it's got this kind of enduring truth about what Guinness is and who Guinness drinkers would like to think of themselves as, uh, which has yeah. evolved and changed a little over time. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we've, um, we've learnt what it means and well, we've been using it, you know, um, and it does evolve to the moment of what's required at the moment. But for me at the heart of it, it's about beer that's made of more people that's made of more and moments and occasions that are made of more that have that kind of, extra substance, extra potential to them um, that unites the three. So the uh, Made of More has been around since uh, 2012. Can we talk a little bit about what preceded Made of More? Because there's a lot of fascinating campaigns and thoughts and thinking that preceded this. And I know that just just for context, uh, the agency pitched and won this business back in 1996. And my understanding is that they were presented with, with a challenge, which was the fact that there was sort of this consumer uh, sense that uh, a negative consumer opinion of the length of time it took to pour a pint of Guinness. And you guys beautifully began to use that negative and turn it into a positive. And uh, so I wanted to talk about what, what that pitch was was about what was the proposition that you made at that time and how did it how did how did it evolve over time craig i mean i, th- I think there are cer- there are certainly many myths and legends around the origin of uh, <laughs> yeah. good thing come to those who wait and i won't claim to have been anywhere near being in the room when that idea was come up with or presented um but i think it's it's fair to say it was one of the great moments of inspiration from our founder david abbott you know it was a it was a line that that he certainly presented to client whether he wrote it himself i'm not sure but it was a a classic reframing of a negative into a positive a very simple thought um absolute classic guinness work like uh swim black particularly was presented in that pitch presentation uh, i think surfer came along a little later these are these are iconic Guinness films, which I'm sure most of your audience will be aware of. My brother's a hero. A champion. Everybody loves him. He's the reason I own a bar. Every year we have a mad race. When he reaches the boy, I start the clock. Marco against the pint. They expect. But I'm getting older, he says. One day I'll lose, he says. Don't worry, I say. You'll never lose. (laughs) It takes 119.5 seconds to pour the perfect pint. Guinness. Good things come to those who wait. I think you can only really understand the, the Made of More story when you reflect upon quite what a long shadow good things come to those who wait casts over your expectations of writing a Guinness ad if you're working in any agency, um, and certainly if you're working in AMV. And as it became clear that good things come to those who wait 
would need to move on and it wasn't going to be the forever and a day Guinness idea. There was a lot of uh, a lot of difficulty with that. You know, the agency was extraordinarily reluctant to give up on what, of course, was in its own right a brilliant idea, but of course, particularly an idea that had produced such great effects both for the brand and for the agency over that period. And and it was it was very hard for people to imagine what could come next. And the period after good things come to those who wait was characterised by. You know, a few different ideas, not none of which really stuck around for very long. It was it was a process of sort of trying a few different sets of clothes on and not feeling like any of them was worth continuing with over that period. But I think a lot of that was just to do with, you know, the, the continued long shadow of good things come to those who wait. Mm. I would I would um, put alongside that an equally powerful campaign, which was the Africa campaign. Um, and there were two very strong campaigns before Made of More in Africa, which was firstly Michael Power, uh, which existed in the kind of late 90s through to early 2000s. Michael Power was um, basically, uh, he was an action hero that stood for all of the greatness that was in Guinness, um, a sort of African James Bond. Uh, we did breakthrough things with Michael Power, like actually make feature films and TV contents instead of just advertising. Um, that has an extraordinary power. Even today, if I go through um, customs in the airport and, and they ask you who you work for, and I say Guinness, I'll say, ah, oh, Michael Power, um, <laughs> you know, 20 years later. Um, and, and then following that, there was a campaign called There's a Drop of Greatness in Every Man. Um, so you don't have to be a James Bond hero. It was about everybody stepping up and reaching their potential. And again, some very beloved ads in, from our African countries. And was that all under the uh, good things come to those who wait? No, because good things come to those who wait is um, founded on the product truth of draft Guinness. And draft Guinness is the Guinness that you pour in two parts and wait for it to be delivered to you. Across the rest of the world, um, especially Africa and Asia, we have a bottled Guinness um, called Foreign Extra Stout. Um, and that product truth isn't, isn't there. Um, it's a truly extraordinary stout, but it's not nitrogenated. It doesn't serve. It doesn't surge and settle. Um, so the greatness that we talk about in in foreign extra stout is actually the taste, the quality. Um, it's a pretty extraordinary stout. It's it's very strong. It's very intensely flavoured, but yet very accessible um, in total taste. So um, I'd read that. I'd read that um, that good things come to those who wait. In part, was sort of. Um, uh, not abandoned. That's a bad word, but it, it was it was no longer used. Starting roughly in was it two thousand five or something like that. But but it was felt that it was tough to translate. Was is is was that a language an issue or was it to your point, uh, Alison, that it was really the, the it wasn't necessarily the product truth globally. I think there's. I, I was going to say both of those things. Yes, you're quite right. Focus. There was um, one of the things that happened as made more is that the total world came under one idea. Um, so I've touched on, on Africa there, but we equally had other ideas in Asia where the brand is big in places like Malaysia and Indonesia. Um, and we had different work going on in, in America where um, the brand is, although it's big for us in terms of total sales, it's a tiny part of a total American big beer. So we were trying different things in America at the same time. So I think when Made More came together, it was looking for something that was true globally at the human emotional level and also true globally for our wonderful and always distinctive product so what was the, what was the business problem that made of more was trying to solve this was in 2012 when it came out i think there's been there were a number of things that have been affecting not just guinness but the total beer category um, so if you think 2012 in our big markets in europe ireland and gb we're, we're still hauling themselves out of recession um, things have been very tough for bars and pubs um, during that recession, we'd, we'd lost a lot of, of the on-trade. And Guinness as a beer is very skewed towards the on-trade, um, where you get the magic of the pour and the pint and the sociable Irish feeling. Um, so the category itself was, was creaking and changing and shifting more towards retail. Um, secondly, I think um, the, mar the, the marketing cat, uh, environment was changing. We had um, a changing media landscape and we needed an idea that flexed across all types of different channels really well. And I guess I should add a third point, which is about the competition. 
Um, beer, you think about beer even 10 years ago, how many beers are on the shelf of your, of your grocer and how many are now on the shelf? You know, the story of Guinness has been in a very remarkable position of being the most interesting beer by a mile on any bar. Um, and actually now there are a load of other interesting beers with a product difference and taste difference um, to distinguish themselves from your everyday lagers. Um, filling in that gap, really, between Guinness and everything else. Um, so we were feeling that pressure too, that the brand needed to feel special, needed to connect to its product, um, and, and to constantly be magnetic. Beer is a 365 days a year um, job to keep your mental availability up and get yourself considered. Um, so all of that was behind a brief, which was more than just bring, create brand love. But I suppose in the end, that is what it boils down to, create brand love. Um, but about- and I think I'd, I'd frame it as well in terms of opportunities rather than problems. So Guinness is one of these brands that that will have a tremendously resilient core, which obviously needs to be nurtured through marketing. But because the product itself is so distinct, it will it will keep going. I think the opportunity that was there at the time, though, was to be able to harness the full creativity of the world and get the very best ideas in the very best places as we knew we would be able to if we had a single common language rather than a range of different fragmented languages around the brand the opportunity to share creative assets and and quite frankly just the opportunity to to kind of push the brand further forward and faster forward and to get an idea that we would all feel confident could last for quite some time and I think this commitment to consistency and this commitment to to sticking with something because of the benefits that can bring over time was was a, a huge part of the early years of made of more and the idea that you know this idea was bigger and broader than any individual execution and that it should be nurtured and developed was a, was a huge part of that opportunity we were trying to seize at the time. So tell us, tell us, uh, because we all like to geek out on these things, tell us um, about the planner's journey from both of your perspectives. Yeah, my first day on Guinness, I was sent a debrief, which was, we're going to change the brand idea to Made of More. That was <laughs> the first day. Um, and, and it was sort of fascinating. It was one of those uh, global pieces of research that had been to all these different, very diverse markets that I was touching on earlier. Um, with that core thought, about made of more and it, it it was like you know when you're at the when an idea is emerging and 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 you want to nurture it and but it's got you can tell i, I wish i could see you um you know you the tingles there there's something going sure, on sure. um it when we talk about it it sounds like a very intellectually neat brief you know we wanted something that worked for different products and different markets and that wasn't what mattered about made of more what mattered was that it had something that felt very true to um this brand as something that is an extraordinary and maybe sometimes difficult brand um, and therefore needs extraordinary marketing. Um, and th- that, that was my, yeah, that was my first day. Um, I just got to my head around all of this, you know, drop a, I was on the Africa team at that point. I just got my head around of all the great stuff we'd done before and, oh, heck, we're changing. Um, uh, but I think there had been a real commitment to learn from the consumer's eye view um, to look at ideas as well that were, you know, that obviously as, when you're at the idea stage, you don't have beautifully crafted work yet. And a lot of what makes Guinness work brilliant is beautifully crafted, you know, wonderful music, extraordinary visuals, jewel-like colours. You need to be able to see underneath all of that to the core idea in its skeleton. Um, and I think the planners that preceded me, um, including... Andrew Gagan, who's now the head of planning for all of Diageo, um, were, nurture, were looking at getting that core idea strong. I mean, I, I think the thing that, that certainly was happening at the time, and again, whilst I wasn't working on the brand, I was in the agency, so you'd, you'd sort of occasionally have conversations with the people that were responsible for it and, and also encountered creative teams working on some of those briefs as well, was I think a lot of those ideas were very, continue to circle around the product. And I think that's the thing with Guinness all the time is, it's the extent to which you can 
you can create something that has a really strong um, connection to the physicality of the product and the distinctness that it has, but that can say so much more. And I, and I think that's the the balance that that you have to strike all the time with Guinness is something that feels rooted and grounded and absolutely true of this extraordinary distinct um, liquid but which can also take wings and fly. And I think that the things that tend not to work for Guinness, and we'll, we'll pick this up again as we get into the executions, are things which either become too tangible and too grounded and a little prosaic, or things which just lose sight of the product and fly off in another direction and become a kind of, I don't know, sort of untethered philosophy on life or an amount of sponsored entertainment that doesn't really pull back to what Guinness really is and that that's a really hard balance to find which is mm. what Made of More was able to do because it felt equally true when you looked at a pint on a bar or when you were looking at some of the more you know wonderful storytelling aspects of um of great Guinness communication yeah I think I think it's it's a brilliant line and I think it does a phenomenal job of sort of reflecting uh, culture re- reflecting the product reflecting the brand and uh and so i'm curious explain for the listener what you wanted made of more to mean i mean the idea is made of more has always been rooted in three core truths and it, and it's a truth about the brand which is this brand with this incredible distinctness and heritage and something which was always shaped by, a, I think, a longer-term view of the world. Famously, Arthur Guinness signed a 9,000-year lease on the brewery. Um, there was an amazing vision there. It was an idea that was about, um, you know, brewing a stout, which was going to be different than the predominantly drunk beer at the time, and that's uh, endured over time. A product truth, which is about, you know, the fact that this is a beer of some substance. It is... Uh, darker and more textured and more kind of magical and has more depth in terms of flavor, more complexity than any standard lager for sure. And the truth about the audience's self-image where they wanted to feel and be seen as people who were a little more interesting, who had a little bit more of a an interesting perspective on life, whether that was through their creativity or their perseverance or their their kind of um, strength of mind. And all of those things come together to say that each of those things, both the brand and its heritage, the product and its depth and complexity, the audience and their character, each of those things was individually made of more. And then made of more is the thing that unites all those three things as well at the heart of uh, what Guinness needs. Your original question was, uh, what do you want it to mean? And um, I suppose I would replace it with, what do we want people to feel? Um, And we want work that stirs people and makes them notice us. We want um, for people who might feel that Guinness was somehow impenetrable and difficult to actually reframe that in their heads to Guinness is interesting, Guinness is fascinating, Guinness is going somewhere. Um, And, and, that's what Made More has been able to do for us. It, it's it's framed it difference as a positive thing, rather than something that's getting in the way of kind of good times and socialising. Um, and that's that's what it's been able to deliver for the brand, and why I believe it's helping us grow. Yes. Yeah, so we, before we get into the work, I wanted to to uh, just read something else. I think I think listeners would love, which is something you guys have also wrote, which is a, a, a wonderful summary of the brand platform, which is. Uh, Guinness is a beer made of more for people made of more. And we tell stories of how unexpected character in people and beer enrich the world around us. You know, really nicely framed. So can we talk a little bit, uh, Craig, about sort of the the evolution? Because there there's almost almost sort of phases to the work. And things over time, and this is roughly between sort of 2012 to 2016 or so maybe a little early maybe 15 there's this evolution in the work you guys start out with uh with executions such as clock cloud and surge what led to that you know i i think the interesting thing about guinness communication as i I was mentioning earlier is 
there, there is a real pull in the brand between two different ways. And if it goes too far one way or the other, it falls over a little bit. And one pull is towards the magical and towards the extraordinary philosophical parables and the amazing kind of stories that make the world feel and seem a little bigger. And it is a brand that is expected to tell stories like that. It's a brand that's expected to have a little bit more magic in it. It may be partly to do with the Irish heritage, as Alison was mentioning earlier. And that's one great pull on one side. However, it's also a brand which is kind of almost elemental. We, we talk about the forces of nature with Guinness quite a bit, the, the way that it looks and feels and moves and and is, as a result, very kind of grounded and feels very, very real, um, almost like it's been there for even longer than it has. You know, there's something that feels very tangible about it and it is also incumbent upon any of us creating this wonderful communication not to forget that you know we're trying to affect the decision of someone walking into a pub or walking into a supermarket or walking into a bar and deciding to have a drink with some friends and you can't get too stuck in some of the esoteric aspects of the brand if you want to try and influence that decision very directly and and we have to find our way between these two extremes and clock and cloud i think uh wonderful examples of the brand at the beginning of the Made of More journey, telling stories that are intended to to feed the magical side of the brand, that are intended to feel like timeless parables that could have come from anywhere, could exist at any point in time, are not being very specific about the context in which the product or brand might be enjoyed. And they really are a sort of very strong attempt to be, uh, as I say, kind of anywhere, anyone, but very distinctly Guinness. And whilst they do a pretty good job of that, in its early stages, I think we probably did fall too far into that sort of magical, timeless side of Guinness and lost touch a little bit with the more grounded humanity. Mm. Surge as, a, as an execution or a, a little mini campaign that you talk about that came came shortly after and was, I think, important in in reconnecting Native More back to the brand's tangibility and elemental roots. And it was a it was an idea based upon kind of seeing the the, the sort of movement in the uh, in the liquid itself as it was settling or being poured and connecting that potential um sort of imagery to the images of waves crashing and and the way that water and liquid move and that did a good job i think of of kind of anchoring the idea back in some of the intrinsics of the product but i think both of those early phases have made it more kind of they would different executions working at either end of the two kind of slightly dangerous extremes of what Guinness can be rather than something that could really beautifully sit in the middle and unite those two sides. The cloud came from the sea. Command him. The more he saw, the more he did. And the more he did, the more he became. You see, he wasn't just a cloud. He was a cloud made of more. I remember when I first saw that work and I was like, this is Guinness? 
This was yeah. like so unique for Guinness that it almost signaled a pivot. Uh, and uh, it, it worked. It, it worked. It was, it was very interesting, but it didn't seem to me at the time as, as being of Guinness. And I didn't know if that was deliberate. No, I, it, well, it, we weren't seeking to feel like a different Guinness. We were right. seeking to do that job. I think, I think that's a very good diagnosis of, of what those ads are, which is in many ways, lots and lots about them is right. And some of and the way they're executed is brilliant in, in some cases. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, the emotional connection to the brand um, and to the product isn't quite there enough. And uh, that's, that's the lesson we learned from them. Um, and, we, and we could have tried to tinker with them and put more of that in, but it, it's not the heart of the parable, right? Um, so I think we, we garnered the learning, and, and we're, but we could still believed in the idea that we could move it on and do both at once and get that emotional connection to the brand. The risk was that we tried to make it, um, dumb it down. <laughs> you know, you can, yeah. oh, after, after they all meet on the town square, should we all have them have a beer? You know, that kind <laughs> of, um, so I think we were trying to make sure that we could keep it special but get that emotional connection through to product and occasion. So in, in, uh, in 2013, the phenomenal spot uh, basketball uh, aired. And I, I know that that has won so many uh, awards for its creativity, but it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful story and, uh, and sort of expression of the, the brand's values. Can you tell us, Craig, what, uh, why, why basketball? Because it was a, a totally different storytelling approach. And I think it's a great example of how Made of More enabled us to harness the creativity of the world and start to kind of share ideas and make them work because that film was originally written in BBDO New York. So it was in response to, uh, to an extent, a global brief, but also with a, with a kind of US lens on it as well, eventually ended up running in, in more markets than the US. And what it really did in, in quite some contrast to um, the, the sort of timeless parables of clock and cloud is it, it rooted Guinness back in that sense of friendship and the, and the word that we use often communion. So this feeling that there's something very special in this brand about people coming together and the strength of relationships between people and the, the groups that kind of, enjoy this brand together and enjoy the moments that it can create. Uh, and obviously basketball as an execution is a, is a kind of very, uh, a kind of classic misdirection where, you know, you realize at the end that the drama that you've been seeing is entirely down to the strength of bonds and friendship between a, a, a group of guys, which has its natural kind of ending in, in a pint of Guinness, um, which is something that we, we were able to kind of, uh, integrate a bit more seamlessly in some future ones but it was a it was a huge reminder and te tested brilliantly brilliantly well wherever wherever we looked at it but it was a huge huge reminder of this brand really lives in stories of people and those stories of humanity and that sense of you know kind of the way that our relationships with each other can sometimes reveal something a little more and can, as I said earlier, make the world seem a little larger. And, and that's what I think that execution really did. I think so um, there was such a, sometimes there's a piece of work that happens in one market that just explodes out into other markets. I remember the, the day that the, that they'd the US team had completed that and it started to share it with the rest of the world. The, the ripples that went through our brand teams, I think our, um, Stephen O'Kelly, who was heading up Europe at the time, you know, turned it around to get it on air in, in Europe in, within a week or something, which is just unknown in our um, timings. There's some pieces of work that I think it's, and come back to the feeling, people felt it, it stirred yes. people, but it also explained what we meant by Made of More in, in, a, in a very Absolutely. relatable human Absolutely. way. Absolutely, yeah, great point. Yeah. It really did. Yeah, it, it was it, it was an extraordinary piece of film, and and we'll drop some of the audio in here. But basically, what's happening for those who can only hear it and not see it is that we see uh, it kind of opens on a group of friends playing basketball, and everybody's in wheelchairs. They play the game, and to to cut a long story short, at the end of the game, all except one person gets up and walks away from the wheelchair. So, it, and and then they're the only the single individual uh, who was in the wheelchair 
exits the room with their with their other friends. But it was really about camaraderie, integrity, connection, and and uh, this idea of sort of character that goes throughout uh, that whole spot. Just a beautiful, beautiful work. What followed on that, uh, you know, what was learned from that that led to other spots such as, it, am I pronouncing it right with sapiers? Is that how that's pronounced, that spot? Sapiers. 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 of elegant person, people of the Congo. I can't remember the exact acronym. It's in French anyway. Um, yes, sapiers. So was that, was that, was that, was that sort of, was that work developed as a result of the success of basketball or was the, uh, was basketball, uh, the first result of a longer-term plan. I, was, I, th- I think they were very separate, um, and it was amazing to see yeah. two such different pieces of work from two such different parts of the world fill the same emotional space, space. You know that sense of potential, that sense of people choosing their own future and making it happen. Um, such entirely different stories from totally different teams. It's set in different places, um, but. They're held together under this idea. And so, what what was going I, I on? I well, there's something really. Well, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, I, I was just going to add. I, I was just going to add. I think there's something there's something really interesting around the way that these ideas sometimes develop and and kind of bounce around the world. And this is again one of the great benefits I think of global ideas in that um, the teams that were working on Guinness in London felt a degree of kind of envy around what had happened with the basketball and the fact that the US had come up with something so great against this idea. And there was a definite sense in the agency that that we wanted some of that. You know, we wanted to be able to make our mark with this idea as well. And we wanted to to really join the the kind of celebration that that had happened as a result of basketball. And I think it did to an extent push us to up our game even further. And I think basketball also paved the way, in a sense, for something like supposed to be totally embraced and, and, and understood for exactly what it could be and what it was all about. And, you know, as, a, as an idea that had been in gestation beforehand and had sat in the, in the brains of the, the creative team who are now our, our ECDs here in London and actually run Guinness on a day-to-day basis as well. Um, you know, it had been in the back of their mind for a little while, but it was only once made of more as an idea exists, only once basketball as an execution is out there that, that the pieces start to come together and it can really kind of, um, you know, be unleashed on the world. So it, so from this point forward, almost for the next uh, maybe two years or so or three years, there's this, there's this focus on on character unexpected character mm-hmm. which goes back to the boldness of the product it goes back to the character of people who drink it the character of the product etc and um, i'm i'm curious about the expressions of that can you tell us about that because it evolves not only it starts with basketball and then it evolves over a couple of years irres- irrepressible spirit david and goliath are telling very human stories that are inspiring uh, tell us a little bit about that, and then ultimately it evolves to uh, messages around uh, topics in culture. Uh, some may have been sort of controversial topics, but they were treated beautifully. We can probably weave this this together because there's quite a few things going on within that progression. Um, one of them it goes back to Clock and Cloud and the things that we're talking about there, which is we decided that we wanted to go for true stories. We felt that they had a, a greater resonance. Um, and did some of the grounding that Craig was talking about. Um, So all of those stories, through to the most recent work, um, have been telling true stories of people of character. They are real things that happen in the world and inspire people. Um, That sometimes was a bit of a hard task. (laughs) You know, you feel like you're sifting the world for stories of character. Um, (laughs) But um, they, they gave those stories an extra depth. Um, I think the other thing that happened over that time is that we then started to 
to really seek ways that we can help make sure that the work was helping Guinness on some of the business issues we faced. So, for example, a role in sociability, a role in certain types of drinking occasions, being able to connect it through to sports. So some of the best stories, I think, under Made of More are actually stories through the rugby um, uh, sponsorship or connection that we've had, um, where talking to sportsmen who it's not just the usual story of, of a winner, but somebody who shows their character and makes an unusual choice, um, gave us a very distinctive place that really touched people um, and felt like it connects through to, the, again, that more interesting role of choosing a Guinness. It's also, a, it's a point, uh, and again, I think I think this was felt by many of the teams that were doing it at the time, where you've got to find that right balance between attempting to codify the success, but then not strangling the life out of it by having 25 different criteria that each idea has to tick. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the beauty of around that Guinness is a lot of it can be intuitive, but equally you have to put some markers down in order to understand how to replicate success and there are three words that sit at the heart of what Guinness has always been about which is this idea of um, power goodness and communion and this sense of a brand which is attempting to do you know positive things in the world to an extent through the example that it sets and is attempting to bring people together to an extent and also tell stories where that communion can lead to positive outcomes but also can make interesting things happen and I think what you see across all of those all of those different stories is this sense of um, some people coming together and the world being a little better and a little brighter as a result and they're clearly affinity stories they're clearly stories that Guinness is um, is getting connection to by virtue of telling those stories. So Guinness itself is not playing an active role in any of them in any way. I guess you, you, within your question, you're asking about um, how the work moved forward to be have a bigger role in culture. Um, and that was a very deliberate ask, actually. Um, we wanted work that resonated at the point of time that it was landing, and not just one point of time, but, you know, within the, the year or so that it was landing. Um, in particular, so that the stories we're telling in our big above the line could connect to other stories that were feeling current right then. Um, so the example I could think of um, is when we did um, the irrepressible, the John Hammond ad, I think it's called Irrepressible Spirit. Um, that was connecting to a time where there was a lot of other stuff going on. That was the time of Oscar So White. Um, those things were picking up. It was about connecting to equality and how creative people make a difference in equality. And it, having a thought that was in culture let, meant that not just the, the above the line, but the, the events that we did, the um, creative forms that we pulled together, they all felt, they all cre- collected under the idea and under the, the part of culture that we were operating within. So what was what was happening in terms of results? Because one of the phenomenal things about this case with Guinness is not just the creative and the strategic thinking, but it's the the success and how it's been quantified. So um, tell us about what uh, what was going on at this point in terms of results. And I think as we as we began on our made of more journey with with Clock and Cloud, we were achieving return on investment that was similar to or actually slightly below where we'd been the pre-Made of More average, if you look back at, at a number of years of the advertising that had happened before Made of More. And I think it would have been an interesting moment, of course, to to decide that this idea wasn't working, to move away from it, to to look for something that could deliver faster results perhaps but i think there was always this sense that no we were here for the long haul we believed in the strategic fundamentals behind made of more and what you started to see once we moved on to things like surge and basketball and suppers was a a a kind of continual growth in return on investment both revenue and profit roi behind the work which which just rose and rose inexorably during that period which was a combination of us learning about what worked best and doing more of that but also of course a combination of this 
brand's philosophy and uh, take on the world becoming consistent and familiar over time so that each execution reminded you of executions you may have seen before. And as a result, that kind of ad stock memory adds to the ROI that you get with each new execution. So uh, as we've documented in the recent IPA paper, the, the, the ROIs in this period began to then just just slowly and inexorably and in a beautiful kind of diagonal curve just moved up and up and up. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, it was partly Diageo has taken a real commitment to understanding effectiveness over the past few years um, and rewards effectiveness. So um, the more effective you, the work proves to be, the more investment you get in it. Um, and that in itself creates a stronger impact with the consumer so it becomes a very virtuous circle within that commitment to understanding effectiveness you know it's, it's some of it's in the detail the grinding through which which lengths of ad which types of outdoor which placements are working you know it's it's both right up at, is the idea strong enough and are you, are you bringing it alive well enough and right down in the detail of where should you be putting your um 48 sheets you know so i think what we'll do in in uh, in episode two um, I'll ask you guys to sort of give us a, a, a more specific sort of take on results because the, the story is pretty phenomenal. Uh, and also it's, uh, it's enormous and, and, and it's, uh, it's something that needs, to, needs some time to be explained and, and articulated. So we'll, we'll, hold, we'll hold on that. But where, where were we at this point? So as we move towards the end of this episode, I, I look at I look at the story, some of the stories that came out. You, you mentioned Hammond, Allison, and Gareth, and Ashwin. Those stories, mm-hmm. and Compton Cowboys, um, they could have been viewed as opportunistic because they were issues of the moment. But you guys managed to do it in a way that didn't at all feel that way. That felt very genuine. Was there concerns when you began to step into social issues? Because that sort of feels. Uh, and issues of culture, because that sort of feels new for Guinness. I, I don't recall that being a part of, uh, being a, a thing that Guinness frequently did. Yes, there were concerns, but also a belief that A, it was important. You know, those values of power, goodness and communion uh, that Craig referenced earlier, they've lived for Guinness for a long time. Um, anyone who is with the business um, uses them as their kind of internal checklist for whether things feel right or wrong. Um, and it's part of the boldness of the brand to take on the things that matter. Every impact. Every rib cracked. Every bone broken. That was nothing compared to the demons tearing me apart. In my darkest hour, I turned to my teammates. Telling them I was gay, that was the toughest thing I've ever done. But when I needed them the most, they were there for me. Um, I suppose what I would say is we didn't necessarily set out to take tackle a social issue. We set out to find a story about character. And that is brilliantly brought to life by people who tackle a social issue. Um, and then once you begin to tell that type of story, you need to be true to it in more than just broadcast storytelling. You need to connect to, to the full depth of it and make sure that you have a plan that, that resonates and is true. Um, I think that's why telling true stories became so important for us. Um, we, we, went, we didn't want to confect anything. We wanted to tell real stories of real character and that, required us to truly understand them. You know, we truly understood Gareth. When we created the stories with the Compton Cowboys, we, we, we said it in their words, not ours. We went out there and we recorded the way they talked about what, what, what it means to them to be connecting with those horses in, in, uh, in the city, LA. Growing up in Compton is pretty, you know, it's pretty hit or miss. You know, you take the good path, on the bad path. A lot of kids wanted to be gangsters, but me, I wanted to be a cowboy. The streets can consume your life if you allow it to. 
I got out and my best friend gave me a horse. That might have been a life-changing experience. It taught me responsibility and stay focused. If I didn't have a horse, I'd probably be dead. Just me and my baby, rolling in our own little peaceful bubble. I would say the, the other thing around it, and this is a thing we discovered in, when we did Suppers, was that obviously with the media environment changing at that point and video being available in so many different more places, there were opportunities to expand on these stories a little more beyond the 20, 30, 40, 60 second um, ad format. So Suppers was the first where we were able to create a you know, a proper mini documentary about the story and really go into a little more depth. And as Alison was saying, you could hear from the real people in their own voices and we were able to give them a platform and allow the story to have have the breadth to communicate. We worked with partners to distribute the stories that sat behind them. So it was never, in any of these campaigns, it was never a kind of quick hit in an ad and then we're out again. There was always depth and breadth around these campaigns as they grew over time. So there were PR stories, there were partners, there were longer form documentaries that went with pretty much every single one of those campaigns. And even though I think if you do any of those things in a, in a superficial way or in a cynical way, then you will get backlash. But I think if you do them in an authentic way and you allow the, the truths of the personalities involved to tell their stories with integrity it rarely ever becomes a backlash because everybody's getting something positive from it. So I'm curious, um, there's no women in Guinness advertising. Why is that? That's just not true, Fergus. No, it's not? Um, it's um, not. But, but you're right. I think we did go through a patch where they weren't, they weren't planned out. Um, we didn't go out and seek stories of men of character. Um, but I think maybe perhaps some of our implicit bias happened. Dieta is taken very seriously, uh, gender representation within our work, because it reaches so many millions of people. We want to make sure we're getting it right. When we looked at and we, we audited uh, all of our brands, all the Dieta brands' work, and Guinness came out better than many, actually. Um, we've got, equally, there's another brilliant ad uh, in Africa, which is of a female rug, uh, football player. Um, or a lot, a lot of it's within sport, um, where the women have been coming through because they've shown such extraordinary character. Um, but I think they were too often in the supporting role and not often enough just part of the core story. Um, I think we're getting better at it, um, but it, it, there was never the intention to exclude women. I just think we were perhaps gravitating towards men because of what's always been, and I think we're, we've learned that lesson. So as we, as we wrap up here, just wanted to sort of set the, set the stage for episode two. So we're, we've now come pretty much from 2012 to 2018. And so in 2018, and your your paper uh, does a beautiful job of articulating, um, things were beginning to change and the category was beginning to change. And uh, I'm just curious if you could kind of give us a sense of what was changing and what it meant for the business. Just give us a minute or two just to set up what was happening in terms of in terms of uh, drinking, in terms of uh, pubs, uh, in terms of culture, uh, that required sort of a, a, an evolution, uh, and at least a strategic focus on, or even a tactical focus on other areas and issues. No, th- th- there was certainly a change in terms of the the beer category overall. Um, you know, in our home markets, particularly beer had been on on something of a longer term volume decline because of the explosion of other alternatives and um, people seeking different places to socialize where different kinds of entertainments, whether food or drink or whatever, were available. We were seeing the world of socializing changing really fast. And, you know, sadly for many, you know, pub closures were a, a kind of common occurrence. And the the on-trade, as we call it over here, is, is a really big part of what makes Guinness special. And there were fewer of those places. And the brand perhaps hadn't been quite as present in many of the new places that people were, were socialising, these places that were not exclusively about going somewhere to have a beer, but might be you know, 
drinks accompanying other entertainments or accompanying other types of um, connection with with other people and the category is one that absolutely changes at the pace of culture you know it's it's connected to entertainment it's connected to sport it's connected to many of the most dynamic parts of life and all of those distribution areas all of the product areas that that connected with it were changing rapidly in that period along with the media environment that surrounded them in the next episode we'll talk about the roi more specifically we'll talk about guinness clear which was phenomenal phenomenal work <laughs> and nice. and then the the absolute a deep dive into the sport of rugby we'll talk about we'll talk about that and we'll share more work and uh thank you both for episode one brilliant and uh, uh i'd love to hear how you articulated these issues it was fantastic and we will uh, see everybody uh, on part two on the next episode thanks for today guys thank you